Would you please pray with me? Oh, Father God, we're here for your glory and by your design to know and love you and to be known and loved by you, to be touched by you so you could make everything glorious. Can you make us glorious? Can you make this church glorious? No, Father God, we ask that you would take us out of the cheap seats and that you would put us and seat us again today in the heavenly realms with your Son, our Savior, Christ Jesus, and give us a view that is heavenly. Give us a view that is your view, the way you see us, the way you love us, the way you see what your Son has done for us. Because if we could see, if we could see from those seats, those heavenly seats, then then everything will change. Everything will change the way we see ourselves. We'll change the way we see our neighbor. We'll ch- it'll change the way we see our world. It'll, it'll change the way we see our triune God. And God, I have no ability to move us from the cheap seats to the heavenly realms. Only you can. So for your glory and for your glorious namesake, would you come and would you be teacher? Would you be the one who who uses broken words from a broken sinner? And would you make them your words? Would you give us the view that only you can? Give us ears to hear Jesus' voice. Spirit, shine brightly into our minds so that we can understand your word and your will. Father, take our hearts, the hearts that are still stony with sin or dark with unbelief and come and break them this morning. Make us flow. Our hearts beat for You. Father, would You be so present through the preaching of Your Word that that we walk out of here, out of the cheap seats, really because we were in the heavenly seats and we walk out of here in a manner worthy of the Gospel, walking in newness of life and newness of obedience, all by Your grace, all for Your glory. The things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May they fall away and be forgotten. But Jesus, I'm talking about Your glory today. So would You touch these words and make us more like who You are. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. It was a Monday morning in 1986. The work crew showed up right here working on this building. And as they began their work, they noticed a large crack in the wall that was going up. And so they stopped what they were planning on doing. They filled the crack in the wall and they began their work again. Only to return the next day to find that the crack had reemerged and new cracks had to begin to appear to the point where they had to stop the entire construction progress and figure out what was wrong with our foundation that was causing huge cracks in our walls. Well, a little investigation, we found out that our foundation was being built on a sinkhole. And anytime you have a bad foundation, anything that you build on it, it's going to be in peril, right? So we actually poured grout 
into a sinkhole underneath us. Uh, it was said that there were a hundred and fifty amount of grout that was needed equaled at 150 cement trucks. Picture 150 cement trucks driving down Maitland Boulevard, pulling in here, dumping their entire load into the hole in the ground so that we can have a solid foundation in which to build upon. Our founding pastor, Chuck Green, likes to say, because that we know that we are built upon the solid rock of Christ Jesus and the firmest foundation of any church in town. It's so true. But without a bad foundation, with a bad foundation, everything is in peril. It was through the Reformation. It was through the Reformation that God raised up men like Martin Luther and John Calvin. And it was their examination of Scripture alone, of digging deep into God's Word, to find out and to communicate a clear biblical foundation for us to live and for this church to be built upon. And as they examined God's Word through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it became very clear that we exist and we are His children by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone, according to the Scriptures alone, all for the glory of God alone. We call those the solas of our Reformed faith. The foundation, the biblical foundation. didn't start with the Reformation. This is what God gave us in His Word. This is what Christ gave us. This is what the apostles built upon. But this is the foundation in which this church, by His grace, stands. By this preacher, by His grace, preaches. And for us to understand, what does it mean? Our sacred foundation. Today we're going to look at grace alone. And man, am I excited about this message And I gotta tell you, this message alone should change this church. It should change your life. But I come here fearful. I really do. Not because of grace alone. Because I know before I begin, I do not have the ability to preach and to plumb the depths of the glory of God and an amazing grace He has for sinners like us. So, again, as I prayed earlier, may He add His presence and blessing to these feeble words because this will change our church. This will change your life. And this is what God wants us to see for us to live our lives. Because understanding grace alone affects everything about our lives. There's three things that I want us to focus on today. How grace alone affects the way we stand before God. The first thing, how we stand before God by God's grace alone. How we sit or are seated before God by grace alone. And thirdly, how we walk before God by grace alone. The first thing is this. If you want to follow along your bulletin, you'll find an outline there. Um, Back on the screen, that outline will be filled in. First thing is this. God saves us. He rescues us. He makes us His own. He saves us by grace alone. He saves us by grace alone so that we can stand before Him By grace alone. We're going to spend some time in God's Word today. It is so rich. So let's go back to what Timothy uh, read for us out of Ephesians 2. And let's look again at verses 4 and 5 out of Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. And we'll also read uh, 8 and 9. But God, being rich in mercy, and just, just hear the adjectives of describing our God. Hear the way in which He loves us and calls us to Himself. But God, thank you, Lord Jesus, you are rich in mercy because of the great love 
with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved, according to God's Word. Those of us are His. He goes on to say in verse 8, For by grace you have been saved, through faith. This is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one should boast. Paul says it very clearly that we are saved. We start our relationship. We stand before God by His grace alone. He says it another way in the book of Romans as he's writing to that church. If you want to turn with me to Romans 5, we're going to look at Romans 5 verses 1 and 2. And here's what Paul says there. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, and that was the first solo that we looked at, that we have been, by God's grace, declared not guilty in a holy God's sight, that we have been justified in this God's sight. How? By faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2. Through Him... We have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we stand in God's presence by grace alone. You don't think, do you? You You don't really think, do you, that you can stand in a holy God's sight? with your own merit, do you? I mean, really, you don't think that highly of yourself and that low of a holy God that you think that on your own that you could rightfully stand in His presence. You wouldn't think that, would you? I mean, there's nothing inside of us. I mean, you know yourself well enough, I trust, to know that He's told us things like to love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors as ourselves. And that's the greatest commandment. And all of Scripture hinges on that one commandment. They all point to that one commandment. You know, like me, don't you, that we haven't even kept the greatest commandment for a nanosecond. In which one of us can stand here and declare, yes, I've loved the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my might, with all my strength. Yes, I love my neighbor truly, deeply as myself. You don't really believe, do you? That you could stand in a God who's holy and righteous His presence on your own. So, so how can it be How can it be that we could come before holy God's presence and stand and be declared not guilty when the reality is that not one of our nanoseconds of our lives have we ever not been guilty? How in the world can that happen? Once again, the Bible shows us by grace alone this glorious answer. Let's go back to the book of Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to pick up this great theme as Paul starts this letter with this great theme, looking at Ephesians 1, verses 4 and 5. And it's here that we see that that it was God who chose us to be His family. That God chose us, and He chose us to be His family by God's grace even before time began. Amazing. Ephesians 1, verses 4 and 5 says this. God's holy and errant word 
even as He chose us in Him, Christ Jesus, before the foundation of the world, before He even spoke the world into existence. So here's how He chose us, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. I mean, of course. I mean, He's a holy and blameless God. He could only have us be holy and blameless before Him. But we wonder about this passage. We wonder about the love of this God. But listen to what it says. In love that He lavished upon us, in great love, He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. God has called us to Himself. He's called us to Himself so that we would be holy and blameless children of God. That's why He called us. Isn't that beautiful? He called us so that we would be holy and blameless children of God. Listen, not because we are holy and blameless children of God. Because we're anything but that on our own. We're anything but holy and blameless. We are by nature children of wrath. Let's look at Romans. Let's go back to Romans. Romans 3. Romans 3 is going to tell us about our condition apart from Christ. We're going to pick up verse 10. Read 10 through 12 and 23. It says this about all of us. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good in God's holy eyes, not even one. Paul will summarize this through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in verse 23 and say this, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So how does this happen? How does this work? God says there's not one who's holy and blameless. There's not one who naturally is my child. And so yet I'm going to choose you to be holy and blameless. I'm going to choose you to be my children. So how in the world are you going to bridge that gap, God? Only he could do it. Well, the answer is found in Romans 3, 24 through 26. Let's go. Let's read God's word there. Again, for all sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And verse 24, are justified by his grace. We are declared not guilty by his grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, a payment for our sins by his blood. And it's to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. And oh my, we can be clothed in his righteousness. This was to show show us God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that Jesus, he might be just, still holy and blameless, and the justifier making those his own holy and blameless of the one who has faith in Jesus. Listen to this. Listen, this is a lot of words. It's a lot of theology. It's a lot of stuff. We cannot miss this. 
a holy God who is blameless, who calls us to be holy and blameless, says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make you holy and blameless as a gift of my grace. And the way I'm going to make you holy and blameless is I'm going to take my holy son, the one who is righteous, and I'm going to treat him as if he was not holy, as if he was a child of wrath. I'm going to take my son and I'm going to pour out my holy indignation for sin, your sin, my sin, on the holy son, so that I could take you and make you holy in his righteousness. What an exchange. I'm going to give God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, all of your brokenness, all of your sinfulness. I'm going to place it on my Son on the cross, and I'm going to pour every indignation I have for sin on Him. So I can give you all that He did right, all that was holy and pure before time began, and I'm going to make an exchange. And it's going to be so hideous and heinous, your sin, that I'm going to have to turn away from my only begotten one. And for the first time in eternity, he'll have to experience hell. I can't even look at sin. And Jesus cries out and says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because I'm making the unholy holy. Because I'm taking the blameless one and I'm going to make him have all the blame. So that I could take my children by God's grace that I chose before time began. And I could make them holy. I could make them blameless in Christ Jesus alone. We stand before a holy God only by God's grace. Only in Christ Jesus. Only robed in His righteousness. Only covered in the blood of the Lamb. That's the only way we could stand. You don't believe for a minute that you could stand in a holy God's presence by yourself, do you? You don't think you could stand? I mean, John, John, the, the beloved disciple whom Jesus loved, that would lay his head upon Jesus in his earthly ministry, when he saw the resurrected Savior, what did he do? He fell at his feet like a dead man. And Jesus says, As I am the Alpha and the Omega, I am the one who is dead, is now alive. Rise, rise and stand by my grace. In my righteousness, I took your blame, John. I took your sin, John. Now you're holy and blameless in my sight. Stand, John. That's what he says to you. That's what he says to me. That's what he says to this church. It's all by God's grace alone that we could stand before a holy God. And not just stand, but you ready for this? We could stand holy and blameless. He looks at us and He knows us and you know what He sees? Without sin. No condemnation. Are you kidding me? Only in Christ alone. Only in Christ alone can we we stand. By grace you're saved. Grace alone. Through faith alone. This is not of yourselves. You don't think you could do it, do you? It's a gift of God. Completely a gift of God. Not by works. It's not by who you are. It's not by what you've done. Listen, if this is true, if it's true, and it's right there in the Bible, if this is true, how repugnant it is to God for us to try to stand before him by any other means than grace alone. Think about this. This is important. How repugnant would it be for God for us if we are only to stand by him, before him by grace alone, for us to try some other manner? 
How repugnant would it be, God, for, for us to come before God but say, God, look at my righteousness. Look at all the good things I do. Look at that when Greg talks about those who tithe, I'm one of them. That when Greg talks about those who are really contributing, to the body, I am one of them. Look at all that I do. Can I stand here with the stuff I do? It's repugnant to him. Don't stand there with anything else other than Jesus' righteousness. Don't stand there with anything else other than his blood. Don't stand there with anything else other than my grace alone. Our works are repugnant to him. There are righteous acts if we are trying to do them apart from Christ. In Christ Jesus, they're beautiful. We'll get to that. The, blank, the, the, uh, the blood bank is here and they absolutely love me. I am loved by the blood bank. They call me. They call me all the time. They drive me nuts. They want me. They want me more than most of you. They really do. Why? Because I have O negative blood. I have O negative blood. I can, my blood can be put in anybody else's. Everybody here, you can have my blood. O negative, universal donor. So they call me all the time. When someone's rushed into the uh, hospital, they don't know what blood type they are. They put O negative in them. Put my stuff in them. I got the good stuff. I've done a lot to do that, didn't I? I? Nothing by God's grace. I got nothing that God wants on my own. It's not about my own negative blood. It's about his son's blood. It's not about my righteousness and my works. It's about the obedient son's righteousness and works. It's by grace alone that God loves us. And he has before time began. What a mystery. And how foolish we would be to try to stand before him any other way. We see God wants us to do more than just stand in his presence by grace alone. He wants to sit in his presence too. This is amazing. Uh, listen to this. Um, he says the second thing, to show us the surpassing riches of his grace alone. Verses 6 and 7. Ephesians 2, 6 and 7. It kind of gets weird, but I think if we get this weirdness, it's amazing grace. we got to get this because it, it's, it's kind of wordy language. We're saying, what in the world's happening here? It's amazing. It's amazing what's happening here. Listen, he says this. By grace you've been saved. I'm picking up in five. And raised us up. God raised us up with him, Christ Jesus. And he seated us. That's an aorist tense. It's completed action. He's already done it. He's raised us up with him. He has seated us up with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he may, might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Seeing things from a certain perspective can change your view on everything. I remember taking JP, uh, who's now 20 and in college, to his first college football game. It happened to be Florida State Clemson. That's another story. And I remember we, we sat up high. It was actually at Clemson. We were pretty far up. And, you know, you could see the whole field unfold before you. It was a pretty interesting perspective. But his perspective was like this. Dad, are all football players this big? See, the way we see for certain perspectives will change the way we see ourselves and those around us. But God, listen, God wants us to see ourselves and our lives from the perspective of heaven. 
all your weariness, all your brokenness, all your shattered dreams, all your junk in your life right now that causes you to see so dimly, that causes you to see with such a hard, broken heart. He has lifted us up with Christ Jesus and He has seated us in the heavenly realms to tell us this is where you belong. If you go and knock on someone's door and He says, come on in and have a seat, that means a lot. He's invited you in. Come in. Come into my presence. Come have my seat. If He's invited you into the family room and says, come and, and sit with me. Come and, and take the most uncomfortable chair. What an amazing grace you know has been extended to you. God has raised us with Christ because He has earned heaven. He has seated us in the heavenly realms because He has earned the Father's right side. And now He has placed us here to say, and now this is where you belong too. By grace alone. To show us the security of our position in Christ alone. Listen, what He wants to do is this in this passage. He says, I've made you holy and blameless, but I know the truth about you. And I don't ever want you to forget your position I don't ever want you to forget where you are because you're not going to be holy and you're not going to be righteous. You're going to still mess it up, but I'd never want you to forget how I see you. You are my chosen child. I have saved you and set you free and I've put you right here. You're here. You're here beside my beloved son and everything he's earned is yours. Go climb in his chair. Kick out the recliner. Go to the refrigerator. It's yours. All the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms are ours in Christ Jesus. Are you kidding me? Listen, here's the bottom line of this. Why is he saying to us, I've seated you in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus? Because God has always wanted us to know and love and serve him in paradise. God created us to have an unbroken relationship with Him in sin and to know Him and walk with Him in the cool of the evening in paradise. He doesn't want us to serve Him as servants and slaves. He doesn't want us to serve Him out of fear. He wants us to serve Him because we've been loved and set free. And this is what it's saying. In Christ Jesus, we got paradise again. In Christ Jesus, we've been lifted to the heavenly realms. In Christ Jesus, we got paradise and it's better than Adam's. We're not going to lose it in Christ. So go and live. Go and sit. Go and love. But just know you can't lose it. Just know this is your position. I, I want you to know me and love me as a son. I want you to know and love and serve me with freedom, not with fear of the law. I want to complete everything that the law required so now you can love and serve me out of love and response. Come and sit here with my son, Christ Jesus, by grace alone. Man, you and I have been seated with Christ. Paradise has been regained. We're heading home. God took the true son, the only obedient son, and again, he treated him like a child of wrath so we could be treated like a true and faithful son too, to stand in his presence, to sit in the heavenly realms. But God didn't do any of this so that we could be idle. Lastly, so that we may live by his grace alone. Verse 210. For we now are Christ, we are his workmanship, his, his masterpiece, 
created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Not only do we stand in His presence by grace alone, but we sit in the heavenly realms by grace alone so that we could live our lives, so we could walk by grace alone. I want you to picture a child. A child has a Saturday where he has one of two options. He could go to an antique shop with very expensive things. And he could make his way around the antique shop with his family. Or you have a child who wakes up and says, listen, we're going to the park today. And this is not just any park. This is the greatest park ever. And everything that is there has been built for you. And everything that is there is safe and it's kid-friendly. And we're going to have a day. What day is that kid going to enjoy? Going to that, that antique shop. Don't touch that. Don't touch that. Oh, oh be careful over there. Oh, man, man don't, 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 don't drop that. Just sit there and be quiet. Don't mess up. Oh, my. Or a kid who just gets out on the playground and says, listen, I've made this for you. Go and enjoy it. I can't wait to watch you do somersaults. I can't wait to listen to your laugh. I can't wait to just see the joy you have in living And so many Christians think that God has saved us to put us in an antique shop, to live our lives in fear that we're going to screw it up, to live our lives in absolute fear that there's something that we shouldn't touch and we touched it and now we're disqualified. And he says, listen, I want you to walk in grace. I want you to walk in a manner that knows that, listen, you already stand before me holy and blameless. You already are seated with me holy and blameless. And I, yes, I've prepared for you a life to live, to do good things, to advance Christ's kingdom. But to it as a child that's ridiculously loved. With a father who's laughing in heaven saying, man, this is awesome. But somehow the church and somehow Christians have gotten it so backwards that we're so afraid. That we either think that we walk in good works so he'll love us. Or that we walk in good works fearful that we'll be driven out. That's not God's plan for us. You see, God's plan has never changed. He's always wanted us to love and serve him in paradise. In Christ Jesus, he's rescued that. God's plan hasn't changed. It's always been for us, his image, to fill this earth with his glory. He wants us to walk in good works. That's filling the earth with his glory. He's given us that privilege. We are not to sit idly by. We truly, by his grace alone, are his masterpiece. He he, he looks at the Novas. He looks at all he's created. He says, there's nothing. Nothing. You want to see my masterpiece? Look at the redeemed children of mine. Look at those who've had their sins washed away by the blood of the Lamb. Look at those who have have robed in my righteousness. You want to see my best work? Look at my children. That's my workmanship. That's my absolute best work. How revolutionary. Does God want us not only to see ourselves, but he says, listen, I want you to know that you're secure in your standing. You're secure in your positioning. Now live under my grace. Now live under my grace. Oh, how he loves us. What amazing grace. Now we respond to him. Listen, this week, every time you sit, I challenge you. uh, Every time you stand, say, am I standing for Christ by God's grace alone? 
Am I really standing for him? Know who you are. Every time you sit, sit in your family room. Go home in your family room and just know how comfortable that is and says, unbelievably, by grace alone, I could sit in God's presence as comfortable. I belong. I'm as more rightly there than I am here by God's grace. Every time you walk, is it by grace alone? What are you doing with the cracks of the wall of your life? You got them and I got them too. What are you doing with them? Are you trying to fix them on your own? Are you trying to earn God's love and merit? Or are you building your life on the solid foundation of Christ alone? My brothers and sisters, stand, sit, and walk by God's grace alone. For Christ and his kingdom, it's not about us, not even our salvation. All for God's grace. Let us pray. Oh, how you have loved us, Father. It's so clear we see your son pierced on the cross for us so that we could be holy and blameless. Oh, how you've loved us, Jesus. You didn't leave us as orphans. You sent your Holy Spirit to come and rescue us, to fill us. And God, may now everything that we do be by your grace. You don't want us to be walking around an antique store in fear. You want us to be playing in this world of yours, knowing that as we stand, we stand holy and blameless. As we sit in your presence, we already belong in Christ Jesus. And now we walk, we walk by grace in your good works. For your glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together and and sing.